You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, was anybody running sprints with DeAndre Hopkins on Wednesday morning? Well, you had your chance, and we've got that story and some stories from Robert Brazil's Roast on today's show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, along with my co-host, Brian Patterson from House of Houston. Thanks for jumping on the Locked On Texans podcast. We are your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. And Brian, I want to look back at the conversation we had with John McClain in a bit, but before knocking that around, did you see this story? Nuke Hopkins, somehow he made even more fans in Houston thanks to a little social media fun on his Twitter. He asked young athletes to join him for a workout at Herman Park more than 50 of them showed up. I saw a video of him sprinting up the hill over by Miller Outdoor Theater Wednesday morning. And and that's how you use social media to ca- connect with fans, man. That, that's how you do it. Kind of remind, remind you of like Rocky when he ran up the steps yeah, uh, in, exactly. in Philadelphia. You know, they should have had the music <laughs> in the background playing, you know, the, the famous score uh, from Rocky, which was heard around the world and continues to be one of the best scored uh, you know, themes ever, you know, as far as in sports and in general. Uh, so, yeah, it sounded really cool uh, in, in terms of what he did. And, uh, yeah, it's just great to see our guys out there working hard in the offseason and uh, keeping it honest. Yeah, he was out there. So if, if you guys didn't see it, uh, go to Twitter. We retweeted we the video of that. Uh, there, a bunch of the media was out there for that one. Um, and also he was signing autographs, which was you know, all part of the deal. It was really a cool thing, a great idea. If JJ had done it, it might have been uh, maybe a couple hundred thousand people. <laughs> Brian, I don't know if he he can't do that. <laughs> right, right. It, you know, it's just JJ is just on a whole different level. But Hob deserves, you know, definitely, you know, whatever whoever's you know retweeting or whatever or or whatever praise he's getting. That's that's great, you know, for him and his brand, because I think he has a unique brand as well that he presents. But it's hard to get on the level with J.J., but it's because he's out there doing that. Congratulations to Senio Calamete, who became a father this past week. Of course, I'm, I'm still trolling my my Twitter stuff and, and found out that Senio uh, actually named his kid. And get this one, Brian. Senio uh, Calamete Jr. You know, I, I don't know about you, but. If Senio Calamete was my name and I had to deal with that my whole life, I don't know if I'd want to stick my kid with the name that that, that was that hard to pronounce. He's obviously proud of that name. And, you know, he has brought some honor to it, you know, with them making it to the NFL. It's not easy getting to the uh, the next level, the pro level for football, let alone staying there as long as he has. So, you know, just him being, you know, in the NFL, being wanted, being needed, is, is definitely an accomplishment, and I think the kids should be proud that yeah he should take the name. But as far as uh, especially how I was way my family is, we we are always big on giving names that we can all pronounce. So like when we're in class, it won't be hard to spell our own names. So you know my name is Brian Patterson. You know you guys know that that's easy to spell, easy to to, to command. My parents they they wanted that to happen, but. Yeah, it's going to take this kid a little bit. It's going to it's going to be like a, <laughs> a huge English lesson, but I think he's going to be fine. Uh, but just dignity and honor to the Kelamente family name. And he's big, of course. You know, he's almost 10 pounds. No surprise there from the offensive lineman. Wow. Um, let me ask you, 
Brian, uh, the John McClane interview that I did a, a couple of days ago, I hope everybody had a chance to hear it. If you didn't, go back into the archives. Two-parter. Uh, what stuck out from you from, from John McClane, the general? He, he was steadfast on J.J. Watt not being traded or, uh, you know, we know he's not going to get cut. But, you know, I... I don't know what Brian Gain is thinking and whether or not would he actually have the guts to do it, to make a trade, to to make this team better, to trade him while, you know, he has some value. Um, you know, it, it would just be, you know, but he was right about the riots in Houston if if he were to do that. But, um, you know, McLean was just very adamant about that, that, that that's not going to happen. If anything, if, if he can't stay healthy, he's just going to retire on his own accord. And, of course, eventually in a, a few years, he'll be in the Ring of Honor. He will be the second likely Texan to go into the Ring of Honor. Um, he did talk about uh, Deontay Foreman. He, he is adamant that he is going to start week one. And, Robert, you know, I think that, uh, Rob, I think we need to go on and see. We need to play some bets on what's the odds of him being available week one because I'm not seeing. I'm seeing this guy. I don't think he's going to be ready for week one. Now, he may. Hey, 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 hey. Deontay said uh, in a tweet this week, don't count me out, exclamation point. (laughs) Count him out for what? (laughs) Count him out out for flag football? Count him out for lunch? You know, is he talking about his job playing football? I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so it's it's, it's great. Um, He's going to be, if if he thinks he's going to be ready for week one, that's awesome, but I am very skeptical. I, I really don't think that he's going to be ready maybe week two, week three, maybe a little bit later than that. But um, it just really depends. But, you know, he talked about Aaron Wilson. Aaron Wilson did type. I remember read, he read the article. He didn't necessarily say that he wasn't going to be ready. He just said there are questions if he is going to be ready, you know, after – uh, the the first week is he going to be ready for the first game of the season? So we'll have to see with that. And then he talked about Brad Seeley, you know, um, you know, bringing in because you know there have been three uh, special teams coordinators since Bill O'Brien has been, you know, at the helm. And and we just talked about hopefully he can do what the other guys couldn't. Um, you know, he has a great reputation, and you know he talked about his time of trying to follow Mangini and trying to collect some money and, uh, you know, try to make a big paycheck, but it didn't work out because he went to the Browns. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that Brad Seeley has a good visionary type style to where he can actually go in and change things and make this unit a lot better than it has been in the past. I agree with them, though, as far as what McLean said. J.J. Watt, he's not getting traded. Now, now could he get released my my whole point when I asked him the question was, could he get released if maybe he misses some significant time again? You know, if, if it's maybe it's not the whole, nearly the whole season like the last two two seasons, but you know, if he misses seven or eight games and this just goes on and on, and he said rightly so, maybe JJ just retires. He's not getting dealt. I mean, if he if he can play like the old JJ, then the Texans want him. If he can't play like the old JJ, then nobody's going to want him for the money that he's making. So, you know, really makes no sense, but. Uh, yeah, the, the JJ stuff, um, I, it's, it's worth bringing up because, you know, this is, this is two seasons and, and, and not this year, but the following year, if, if he's let go, it's, it's only $2 million against the cap. It's not a huge cap hit, which, uh, you know, we've got to give Rick Smith and the, and the Texans front office 
credit there because, uh, you know, there's not a ton of a cap hit if, if something, you know, were to go wrong with JJ at this point. That's a good out. I didn't even know that was cap hit. I haven't, I haven't looked at his deal in so long. You know, I looked at it extensively when he first got it years back, but you know, you, you think about that, you're like, is, and we talked about that, uh, not, not you and I personally, but just with friends, is he going to be, be able to play out his whole contract? And now we still are having that question because you know how he played back in the past when he was, you know, racking up award after award, defensive player of the year. And it's just the human body cannot sustain that type of uh, punishment. Um, you know, eventually you're going to go and break down and so now he's tailored his offseason strategy, but he's still out there getting hurt. So, you know, he's just made such an amount of impact in a short amount of time. But uh, sometimes you just have to think about that longevity. Uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't hang it up early. I would love to see him play out that contract. Uh, will I see J.J. Watt play for another contract after this six-year deal? I doubt it. I, I think he is ready for his next stage of his career, which McLean did talk about, you know, he could run for governor of Wisconsin. He could go, uh, go into acting. Uh, he can sit on a, a corporate board or something like that, whatever he wants to do, he's going to have plenty of opportunities available for him when it's all over. Um, as far as him playing football. Good to talk with Johnny Mac though. And, and we got to talk about this Robert Brazil Rose. Cause it, it was really special the other night. It's been a fun week for me. I just want to remind our listeners before we get to that, if you're enjoying Locked On Texans, tell your friends. They can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, most anywhere you're going to find your favorite podcast. If you'd like to check out more podcasts from our national Locked On network, LockedOnSports.com. That's the place to go. It's our new website. We have podcasts for nearly every NFL and NBA team. It's all on LockedOnSports.com. That's LockedOnSports.com. Brian, no question the best part of my conversations with Robert Brazil and John McClain this past week was hearing their descriptions of Brazil's reaction to getting into Canton. Uh, the tears, the blubbering, as uh, John McClain described it. Man, it's hard to imagine waiting nearly 30 years to get that call, Brian. Yes, and, and you know, I, I'm pretty sure his eyes were welled full of tears because, you know, he was thinking about it. He's like, as hard as I worked, I want to be recognized for being as great as I was out on the field. You know, I, I shattered records. There, there have been players that have come out that have not been even close to what I have done. And the fact that he is recognized and, you know, people had been trying to get him in for years and years. And the fact that he's been recognized, uh, I, I know it was just a, a, a turning point, a turning, uh, a, a, just a, a great moment in his life to where he he felt that, you know, all that he's done is, is complete. And if I'm not mistaken, this guy had health issues too. So, you know, this kind of shores that up as well, because you're feeling good about yourself. Somebody out there knows how great you were at your craft. So um, it, it's just great to hear about stuff like this. And um, Robert Brazil, although I did not see him play live, I was way too young whenever he was in his heyday. Uh, you know, I've read a lot about him. And uh, when you have a nickname called Dr. Doom, <laughs> I want to get out of your way. I don't want to get in your way. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Doom had some tears for sure. And the thing about uh, he was talking about the induction speech and who was introducing him. He mentioned his dad, his dad's I'm trying to remember if he's 85, 86 years old. He survived cancer 
he didn't think his dad would be able to live to see the day. He talked about it when we, you know, when we were having the conversation that, you know, he thought it was going to be his son. Um, and I, I also, I talked to his son, Trey, who was out at the Brazil roast and just, uh, I said, you remember any of that stuff? Cause Brazil's son was born in 75. Uh, and he started his career in 74, I think, or 75 with the Oilers ended in 84. And he goes, you know, or he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh yeah, I remember. I, I, you know, I remember all that stuff. I mean, I was the oiler baby. Took me to to, to do that. And uh, let me just tell you, Brian, as far as that roast goes, boy, I was like a kid in a candy store. It was such a special night. Props to Sports Radio six ten. I got to give them a little props because they did a nice job of organizing it. John McClain, I'm sure, had a ton to do with it. You know, he knows all these guys so well. But let me just throw out who shows up, you know, in their Hall of Fame jackets. These are all Oilers that show up. They're in their Hall of Fame jackets. Robert Brazil, Elvin Bethea, of course. We, we, we talked to those two guys. As you know, Curly Culp, uh, Kenny Houston, Warren Moon, Bruce Matthews. So six Oilers were there with their Hall of Fame jackets. Now, Mike Munchak had a video message, and that, that's pretty much – I think just about every Houston Oiler that's uh, in the Hall of Fame. Also, Mean Joe Green was there, and I, I went up to him, Brian. He's got the Hall of Fame jacket on too, and so uh, I went up to Mean Joe Green, and you know, I said, "Man, it, it's nice to see you uh, for the first time. That I, I'm, I'm excited to see you because usually you were killing my guys on television when I saw you as a kid." And, I got nothing from him. He was he was more mean than Joe Green, Brian. More mean than Joe Green when I told him that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And with with that situation, was there anything out of that conversation that kind of stood out for you with, between you and and Joe Green? You know, what kind of raised your eyebrow the most as far as well, some of the things? Well, that, that was it. That's all, that's all I could say because I felt like, well, I guess he just doesn't want to talk to me, but. You know, it was, you know, let me just tell you, Brazil and Buffet, of course, I, I talked to them and, and, and that conversation is, you know, on the podcast and everything like that, but got a chance to talk to him a little bit before, a little bit after. Let me just tell you, just great guys. I mean, I, I haven't met too many Oilers or any Oilers really from that generation of Oilers, that love you blue generation that weren't just uh, the coolest people to talk to. Didn't get a chance to talk with Moon or Matthews. Uh, or Kenny Houston or, or Curly Culp, unfortunately, but you know, heard nothing great, nothing but great stuff about Curly Culp and Kenny Houston uh, specifically. And one of the guys that came up there and spoke was Billy White Shoes Johnson. And one of the cool things, Brian, was White Shoes comes up, he gets the introduction, he comes up on stage, he's wearing the white shoes, he's got the white shoes on. <laughs> oh man! And he gives a little bit of a dance as, as he's getting introduced. They got some music playing for him, and he gives us a little white shoes dance uh, before he started speaking. So uh, that was pretty sweet. I, I tell you, the conversation though that um, was real interesting was uh, Dan Pastorini, and I and I'd read his book Taking Flack, and I recommend it to anybody. If you even if you weren't an Oilers fan, you didn't grow up. Man, the guy led a hell of a life. Uh, John Lopez. You guys know him from 610, his days with the Chronicle. Uh, he wrote the, helped him write the biography. And, and what, what I had forgotten, or maybe I just, I don't remember all of these stories in the book. But so, you know, I knew he played baseball. I remember that. He played with the Alaska Gold Panners uh, back in 1968. And he was telling me some of the guys that were on his team. 
Uh, one of them was Dave Kingman. And, and Brian, do you remember Dave Kingman at all? Do you remember the major league player Dave Kingman? Was around for like 20 years. Yeah, he sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. It, it, it. He was the Chris Carter of his day. He was a guy that would hit these moon shots, but he didn't hit for a high average, hit for like 236, but stayed around because yeah. he could hit home runs. But I mean, one, one thing that he didn't do that Chris Carter did is he had a year where he was pretty much in the MVP race. He had 48 homers, 130-some-odd some RBIs, 900-plus OPS or something like that. But Kingman was a hit known as a hitter. And what Pastorini was telling me is that uh, Kingman uh, was a pitcher back then, and he would throw it like 100 miles an hour. He had this curveball that would break about four feet, but Kingman had no idea where it was going. And, and I guess Pastorini got in the box against him. I mean, they were on the same team, but some, at some point they – he uh, faced him, and Kingman threw one behind his ear, and he just stepped out of the batter's box, and he goes, "That's it. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going against that guy anymore. I'm done. I'm done with that." You know, this is a roast. You tell me who was the funniest out of all the guys that came up to speak. Was one that you just, you know, you actually, you know, started. You know, you you enamored a whole bunch of laughter. You know, you generate a whole bunch of laughter as a result of what they said. Is there anybody that stuck out to you? Well, the guy that was the best storyteller, no doubt. And some of the guys didn't really roast him. I mean, they were they were he got off easy with some of the guys. But oh, the guy okay. that was the guy that was the funniest was Ed Biles, uh, former uh-huh. uh, Oilers head coach. He took over after Bum Phillips, defensive coordinator for uh, Buffet, and and I mean, just Biles had some fantastic stories. Uh, but I, I, on a fish, a little bit up on the Pastorini thing, because, okay. So he played with Dave Kingman, Bob Boone. Everybody knows Aaron Boone, Yankees manager, Bob, uh, really good ball player, former gold Glover, all-star, uh, was of course that's Aaron Boone's dad. Cat. He was a catcher back in the day. Steve Busby played for the Royals for a few years. So this team was loaded that he was on, uh, with the Alaska gold panners back in 68. But one of the pitchers on the staff, Brian, you're gonna love this one. Brent Strom. Yes, yes, that name does sound very familiar, and uh, one of the greatest uh, hitting coaches uh, you'll ever want to see. Pitching, pitching coach. He was a pitching coach. Yeah, yeah. No, he's the, the Astros pitching coach, uh, of course. And so, yeah, Stromy was uh, with him. That's, said, the, that's the hitting. Yeah, yeah. You said hitting. Well, that's Hudgens. So, so sorry, sorry to my viewers. Just want to clarify that. Go right ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I I knew you knew. I was just gonna. I was helping you clarify that, but. <laughs> I, I tell you, you know, I said, well, what do you, what do you think of Stromback? You know, what was he like? And, you know, I thought maybe we'd I'd, he'd give me some more wild Stromy stories, but he said, no, he was he was kind of laid back and analytical. He's kind of the guy that you see today with the Astros. Uh, mm-hmm. He was taking it all in and and uh, just looking at stuff and very, you know, is is one of those things where you could almost tell that he was going to be something. But I, let me just tell you, Pastorini always loved talking with him. Uh, mm-hmm. all of these guys, you know, just, it's, it's fun to, to do this. And there's, we just know there's not too, too much longer before all these guys are, you know, a lot of these guys are going to start falling off, uh, passing away. And, and, you know, uh, you, we don't know how much longer it's going to be for these Oiler get togethers. And, and of course, uh, you know, with the Oilers, uh, you know, this is the last one getting into the hall of fame. Most likely I, I know, uh, Brazil was really pushing bum Phillips, but I just don't, I don't know if Bum can ever get in there, just get into AFC championship games. He just didn't have a super long career as a head coach either. Uh, White Shoes, uh, you know, he might get rec- recognized maybe 
I don't know when, if they ever do returners, but it, it's going to be tough for those guys to get in. I mean, I, yeah. I would say the return guys, who knows if that's ever going to come to fruition, but you know, it's, it's just, it was just so much fun to be out there for all that. Special teams period is just going to be tough for guys to get in. You know, look how long Ray Guy had to wait. I mean, that's a different position, but, you know, it, it's just they don't look at them as more impactful on the game as the other positional players. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, we'll, we'll see. couple more tidbits for this show. Before we do that, just want to remind the listeners, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Come on, guys, like us on Facebook. I know you're on Facebook uh, out there. Uh, we'd like to get some more Facebook likes. Email us at LockedOnTexans at mail.com. If you forget any of that, just go to the show description of each podcast. It's all right there. We want your voice to be a part of our conversation. Email LockedOnTexans at mail.com. That's LockedOnTexans at mail.com. Brian, I've got a story that maybe just the geeky NFL fans might find interesting. So so here it is. Uh, referee Gene Steratore retired this week he's the fourth ref who's retired this offseason we'd already lost ed hockley and the gun show that he brought yeah. to nfl officiating uh brian nobody was jacked up like ed hockley man that guy had some muscles where i don't have places man he's he's big guy yeah i don't know what happened like right toward his retirement man he kind of fell off he didn't have the guns he kind of i guess he just kind of got comfortable and uh whatnot but uh good for ed but uh gene what i liked about gene is that he really explained you know this uh, decision that was made he always and that's why he's going into uh to, to studio work with cbs from what i understand but every time gene would go and give an explanation of what happened and what what call was made i totally understood he was just very good with communicating the information if you were to go to central casting and make a referee, wouldn't it be Gene Steratore? Isn't that the guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. He would look just like him. <laughs> yeah, he was connected to some of the most memorable calls in recent years, too. That the uh, Two of the most controversial incompletions over the last decade, which ultimately led to the, the big rule change that we've seen this year. I know we all remember the Calvin Johnson touchdown that wasn't in 2010 and Des Bryant's touchdown they took away in the 2014 playoffs, Brian. I know everybody remembers that one. That was Gene was on those games. Yeah, yeah, he sure was. And um, although it was uh, controversial, you know, we forget about it. They're going to talk about it, you know, through, through his career. And I'm pretty sure on telecasts are going to bring stuff up like that when there's plays similar. Uh, but, you know, just the fact that he has a great insight to the game and he's able to communicate his thoughts in a manner that to which – um, all of us, you know, no matter what level of your expertise is in the game, he will be able to uh, share that with viewers uh, on CBS telecast. So um, I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing Gene and um, who's going to take over the mantle, you know, for the revs. And now that Gene and guys like Ed uh, as well, or what, what's going to happen with them. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see is because they really, they kind of put some star power into the officials those two guys right there. Normally they're guys that we don't even think about what their names are, but these guys have made names for themselves just because of the incredible job they did out there. Well, you said it, you said how he's great at explaining things. Well, he's going to be a rules analyst for CBS this fall. That's what he's doing. He goes out with a bang, by the way, ref that Super Bowl this past year, which is going to go down as a classic. So uh, you, you're not going to, 
uh, miss Gene for too long because you'll see him on CBS. Also, uh, Jeff Triplett, another one of the four refs who uh, are retired, who have retired this past offseason. Uh, he's going to be an ESPN analyst. So he's joining ESPN. He's going to do that over there. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're retiring because they got sick of officiating. I don't know. Maybe the money, the TV money's a little bit better. Although they, I think they've got them up to full time now, Brian, a lot of these officials, right? Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, I think they're part time employees, but maybe they fix that because, you know, they have their own union as well. But, oh, I, I have no question that the money's probably better in TV. So that's why he probably made the, it was easy for you to make a decision because he's thinking, okay, what else have I I've done? I mean, I've done everything I possibly could do uh, in you know just officiating games. You know, I love what I do, but it's time for to turn the page, a new chapter uh, in his career. And now he gets to go do what he loves all the time, and he gets to talk about it. What not a better way uh, to continue to do what you love? I mean, just take a page out of the John Gruden playbook. He got millions of dollars for years uh, to talk about what he loved, and now he's back in the game. Well, that's something crazy happens the rest of this week. I, I think this is going to be the last show for this week, but you know we're going to keep rolling, like we said, all the way to training camp. Uh, before we wrap it up, just got to remind everybody, House of Houston, Brian's got everything covered in Houston sports, everything that there is. It's all there, fan side affiliate, houseofhouston.com. That's the place to go, my Houston Sports Talk podcast. Easy to find on iTunes, most anywhere you listen to your podcast. Our Locked on Rockets buddy, part of our network, he joined me this week to talk about free agency and the draft and everything that's going on around the Rockets in the NBA. That was a blast. That's all we got for this one. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked on Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team Every day.